Hello, and you're very welcome back to Shattered Lives. I'm Kieran Bradley. Week 11 of the murder trial of Jerry the Monk Hutch is well underway in Dublin Special Criminal Court. Mr Hutch is accused of the murder of David Byrne at the Regency Hotel in February 2016. It is a charge that he denies. Being tried alongside Mr Hutch are two men, Jason Bonney and Paul Murphy. The state alleges that Messrs Murphy and Bonney provided vehicles for the Regency murder. Both men deny the charges against them. Sarah Sked was the senior crime analyst tasked with this case. She is the final person to take the stand in the case, and she concluded her evidence today. To bring us up to date with the goings-on is Chief Reporter for the Irish Daily Star, Paul Hilly. Paul, how are you? Not too bad. We've come to the end of a, of a lengthy week, um, but I would suggest that today was probably the most interesting day of the lot. Very good. Well, we'll come to what happened today in a moment, but I understand there was a quick clarification you wanted to make with regards to yesterday's episode. Yeah, so I made a boo-boo. We aim to uh, we aim to get these podcasts out to you as quickly as possible, and as a result of that, uh, I overlooked uh, a very important detail and, and I made an error. So I want to correct that. And a couple of people pointed out to me, uh, people more knowledgeable than myself, that in relation to the uh, the charge that uh, Jason Bonney and Paul Murphy are accused of in relation to uh, facilitating the murder by providing vehicles, um, I'll, I'll read out the exact charge. Uh, to be more to be more precise, so I said that the max penalty was life in prison. Um, it's actually fifteen years. I just want to clarify that. Now I did state that look, it's unlikely that they would get anything close to life in prison, and they, you know, they'd be unlikely that they would even get the the headline sentence would be fifteen years, and then it, it could. Be, so in the case of Jonathan Dowdall, for example, I think that he was facing something like eight years, but then with mitigation and the unique circumstances, it was down to four years. So the the offence is just um. Under Section 72 of the Criminal Justice Act 2006, uh, a person is guilty of an offence if, with knowledge of the existence of the organisation referred to in the subsection, the person participates in or contributes to any activity, uh, whether constituting an offence or not, uh, intending to enhance the ability of a criminal organisation or any of its members to commit or facilitate the commission by a criminal offence or any of its members of a serious offence and it being reckless as to whether such participation or contribution could either enhance the ability of a criminal organisation or any of its members to commit a serious offence. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a lengthy uh, explanation in, under Section 72, but, but it's a, f- a finer imprisonment uh, term not exceeding 15 years, uh, ultimately, is what it says under the Act. So uh, I got that wrong yesterday. I just want to clarify that. Um, that I made that mistake. No, well, while we're on the subject of mayor culpers, I, uh, I I threw a curveball at you with regards to that question. So uh, fair play for answering it, yeah, even as well as he did. But that's fine. Um, listen, obviously we we've had the final day of this week's uh, evidence heard in court, and understand a lot of the day was spent around uh, the Whitehall meeting uh, that Jonathan Dowdle alleges happened between him and Jerry Hutch. Yeah, well, as we've discussed at length, this is a crucial part of the case. And so obviously it's something we spent a lot of time on when it came to Miss um, Sked's evidence, because Miss Sked, obviously, as we've discussed uh, through her analysis of phone data uh, of Jonathan Dowdall's phone, was able to establish um, his whereabouts to a degree on the 7th and the 8th of February 2016. So uh, to recharge all territory a little bit here. Jonathan Dowdall says that Jerry Hutch confessed to him in a park in Whitehall in Dublin, near a church there in Whitehall in Dublin. Uh, on the 8th of February, he told the guards that on three occasions, that it was on the 8th of February, 
the same day that Eddie Hutch was murdered later that evening. And he can remember that because he remembers getting a phone call from Kay, uh, the, the wife of Patsy Hutch, at three minutes past eight that evening, where she informs him of uh, Eddie Hutch's murder. And as has already been pointed out by Brendan Grehan, who is defending for Mr. Hutch, uh, it was obviously a very important and memorable day in Jonathan Dowdall's life, and he challenged him as to how come you can't remember exactly, you know, because it, it was, he subsequently, Mr. Dowdall, um, asserted that it could have been on the 7th um, because the phone analysis data was put to him and uh, it shows uh, that his phone um, had him in the Navin Road area at the time in which he says he was in the Whitehall Park and then up in the Dundalk area of County Louth. And I think John Tadeldall said something to the effect of, well, it wasn't the 8th then and asserted that it was probably the 7th. So the Sunday World article came out on the 7th. And that was the photograph of Kevin Murray and the man in drag. And that was what Jonathan Dowdall said that Jerry Hutch had contacted him to discuss. And he wanted to meet him in this park because he was concerned about this uh, front page story in the Sunday World that was published on the 7th. Dowdall's memory is that he met Hutch on the 8th, but he accepts it could have been the day that the article was published on the 7th. Nonetheless, Dowdall says that he met Hutch uh um, he said on a number, a number of occasions he thought at 11.30 a.m. or at least before midday. Uh, so in in relation to the phone analysis data, it shows that he was, as I said, in the Navin Road area at 11.58 on the 8th and then in Dundalk past 1 p.m. And on the 7th, it shows that he was, uh, that, that he was uh, at the Whitehall area in the Whitehall area at 3.16 p.m. So that's obviously quite out from the time in which he says this meeting with Jerry Hutch happened. So today we got down into that a little more forensically and a lot more detail and, and Miss Sked was asked by Brendan Grehan uh, about this in detail. Um, there's a lot to discuss but I think this is the most interesting element to discuss so I'll, I'll, that's why we're laden with this. Cool. So when you say we got into it quite forensically, I, I presume they went through quite a lot of times and locations. Um, you might just bring us through those in a little bit more detail. Yeah. So uh, Mr. Grehan uh, asked just the para- parameters in which uh, Ms. Sked uh, set about her investigation. And the parameters were that the based off the information she'd been told um, is that, that Jonathan Dowdell said he had been contacted by Jerry Hutch a few days after the murder of David Byrne and that, that Hutch had wanted to meet him in a, in a park in Whitehall at about 11.30am on the day Eddie Hutch was murdered. And the other parameter then was the Sunday World article, as I mentioned, that was published on the 7th. So she went about that in trying to corroborate basically uh, what he was saying. And she was able to establish that there was a phone call from um, a number that was in Jonathan Dowdall's phone called Patsy K, which uh, it has been accepted uh, is uh, Patsy Hutch's wife's number. And he got that phone call at three minutes past eight on the 8th of February. And Mr. Gretton said that again ties in with the information that was supplied that, uh, that Mr. Dowdall, um, about it being the day Eddie Hutch got shot dead and, and Miss Sked agreed that, that yes, it did. But then when it came to examining earlier in the day, we got a bit more insight into where Jonathan Dowdall's phone was from the very beginning of the day. So into midnight up until 8.43 in the morning, he appeared to be in the Navin Road area. He got two tech. He got two text messages then at around ten to nine in the morning. At nine forty three, he was still there, according to internet, uh, internet data pinging off cell mass in the area. 
and 10.30 and 11.30 and 11.55 at the Ambassador's Residence Phoenix Park. So we've heard there are three different sites. There's Capra Garda Station, the Ambassador's uh, Residence at the Phoenix Park, and then there is um, another another site that that is connected to the Navin Road area. It's generally accepted that if the phone was pinging off a mast in those areas, that he was probably within the vicinity of his own home. So right up to 11.55 on the 8th. Um, and then uh, it pings off an area at Ballymun, the Days Hotel, at 12.56. But uh, seconds later then, Kilsaran, County Louth. Uh, so Mr. Gre- Mr. Gretton was trying to ask, well, what's the story there? Because obviously uh, it's impossible for a person to travel uh, to Ballymun to Louth in a matter of seconds, obviously. Uh, so... You know, this is just one of the areas where this uh, phone cell site data stuff becomes very interesting because I think people, and even myself from covering this, you might have um, the thought that this is going to, this is perfectly tracking a person's movements exactly where they are at any given moment and date and time. It's not an exact science because as as Miss Sked pointed out, um, he was unlikely to be in Ballymun. He's more likely to have been in the Loud area at that point in time because Following that, it pings off another mast in in, um, uh, in, in Monaghan, not too far after the, the Louth thing. So she explained it as there, there can be a, a lapse in data connection, which means that basically it could have pinged off the Ballymun area at a different point in time and recorded then at that time. So that creates all sorts of issues, again, in terms of the location, the exact location of the phone at that time. Um, can I just ask, and again, this might be a question for Sarah Sked rather than yourself, so apologies, and it might be a yes or no. When uh, when you're talking about it pinging, uh, is it pinging off just one uh, mast at a time, or is it essentially, say, for example, if you're between, say, three, is it kind of triangulating that, say, one mast is getting the strongest like ping, and then the two are getting slightly weaker ones, so you're roughly within that area. Is, is that roughly what we're looking at, or...? It seemed from what they were saying that it was just being picked up by the one. So the where where the sig where the where the signal is strongest, it it's the closest uh, mass that picks it up. But I'll come back to that. That's a good question because um, that'll be relevant in a minute. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Again. All right. So so following that, then you know it, it, it uh, at at uh, it, it it basically ends up that that his phone uh, is 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 going back home effectively. Um. So. Mr. Uh, Gretton basically said, well, on the basis of that, then there is no evidence uh, to support uh, Jonathan Dowdall being in Whitehall on that day, on the 8th. And Miss Sked uh, said that on the basis of the records that she had, yes, there is no evidence that could support that theory because Dowdall's phone was going north, northerly uh, at, at all of these times and then back home. Um, so there was nothing to suggest that he was anywhere near the park. So then we came to the seventh and we started to forensically examine the seventh a little bit more. And uh, it starts off in a similar pattern. Uh, sorry, the, that's the other uh, mast. It's Ashtown Gate, which is close to the Navin Road um, address that, that Jonathan Dowdall was living in. So up to 10.33 that morning, uh, it's, Ash, it's Ashtown Gate. 11.33, Ashtown Gate. Uh, 12.14, Ambassador's Residence, Phoenix Park. Uh, all of that indicates that Jonathan Dowdall is in his home and Miss Sked agreed that with all likelihood he was at home right up to 14 minutes past 12 on the 7th. 
remember that he said that he met Jerry Hutch at 11.30 or before midday. Well, the suggestion is that he was at home. Um, the, uh, so Mr. Gretton said there was no opportunity for Mr. Dowdall to have been meeting Jerry Hutch in the park in Whitehall at these times. And Miss Sked says that her data supported that. So then we came to a, a quarter past three. And again, this is interesting because uh, it, it, it turns out that following a quarter past, so 15, 16 is the time when he was in Whitehall. At 15, 21, uh, his phone was pinging off a mass in Meekstown, Finglas, uh, because of a phone call that was made to his father, Patrick Dowdall, at that time. So you're talking not a very long amount of time after that, he's in Finglas from Whitehall. Um, so Mr. Gretton was pointing out there, there, there isn't enough time for him to have been stopping off in a park and having this meeting with Jerry Hutch. Uh, when he's suddenly in Finglas, you know, minutes later. Um, and his suggestion to the witness was effectively, the only way to really explain those movements is that clearly Jonathan Dowdall was in a vehicle, in a car, and that he was moving, that he was in transit. So whenever he, this uh, Collins Avenue mast picked up his phone, he would have been passing by it in a vehicle and then moving on to the Finglas area, that, the, that he couldn't have stopped, that he couldn't have been having the meeting at this time at 3.16 p.m., um, but Miss Sked said, well, it, that appeared to be the case, but it doesn't uh, account for the time prior to uh, 3.16 p.m. And this was also interesting because it turns out that, that there's a bit of a um, an unknown period of time on this on, on this day. So right up to 12.34, roughly, we know where Jonathan Dowdall was, which is around about the Navan Road area. But then... We don't have any more data information about his phone until 3.16 p.m. So between 12.34 and 3.16, there's no data to suggest where he was at all. And asked about that, Miss Sked said, well, there could be a number of reasons for this. His phone could have been in flight mode. His data might not have been working. He could have been out of coverage. The battery was dead. Any number of possibilities. Um but it doesn't prove that he was in the park in Whitehall definitively. It does, uh, and, and it also doesn't tally, again, with the time period in which Dowdall says that he was in the park, which was before 12. Before 12, he was at home. After 12, we don't know where he was because his phone was dead, airplane mode, whatever, and then wasn't picked up until 3.16 when he was uh, within the Whitehall area and then minutes later in Finglas. So uh, there's a lot of questions to be raised there. Uh, and were any of these questions or issues put to Dowdall? Uh, not on this level of detail, no. Uh, you know, um, that was my first thought, actually. It's a good question, because I thought, you know, maybe someone could have asked him, did you turn your phone off when you met Jerry Hutch? But the only thing that I can remember is that when it was put to him, um, that your phone, the phone analysis doesn't show that you're in the park on the 8th. Um, well, he said then it wasn't the 8th then. And then it was put to him about being in Whitehall on the day before at 3.16. And he said, well, maybe it was then. I can't really remember what time it was. But he never he never said, well, maybe my phone was off or I put my phone in flight mode. or So he never said it. He never said it. He never volunteered that he had his phone off or not with him or whatever. So okay. that's yeah. All right. interesting. It is, yeah. No, I was just thinking from a simple thing of... Uh... 
why he had it in his head that it was that specific a time that he met Hutch, for example, whether mm. he had a memory of something that happened in the morning or whatever. But uh, Well, he, he said, you know, that's the thing, and that's going to be brought up by the defence, already has, but it'll be brought up again and again, that Jonathan Dowdall repeatedly told Gardy on multiple occasions that it was the 8th, the day Eddie Hutch was murdered, and that it was 11.30am or before midday. And those two, those two things have been proven to be false, I would say, based off the phone data. Now, it's still possible he could have met him, but it wasn't at the time that he said it happened, and it wasn't on the day that he said it happened. Yeah. Yeah. And what was interesting about today, uh, I'll, I'll come back to it, but there were various other uh, phone analysis done that did corroborate with Jonathan Dowdall's account and did actually back up what he was saying about his movements on other dates and times. But this, which is probably the most important in terms of the case, is is up for debate. Yeah. Uh, and re- there's a lot of questions. Okay. Well, unless there's uh, any more you want to add on, on Sarah Sked stuff, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, th- there is, sorry. Uh, another another facet to this is that, and again, it was brought up by Brennan Gretton, that the the um, the cell tower in the Whitehall area in Collins Avenue that the phone pinged off when he was in Whitehall, supposedly, is not actually the closest one facing the park. So... Um, you know, he put he brought uh, Mr. Gretton brought up that perhaps uh, it should have pinged off any number of other masks that were in the area rather than the one at Collins Avenue. Um, now Miss Sked sort of said there are, there's lots of variabilities and lots of reasons why the phone might have pinged off the Collins Avenue mast as opposed to one of the other ones that it probably should have. Uh, so it, I mean, it's very technical, but again, it's interesting that you know. For example, when, when Dowdall was at home, the Ashtown Gate one, well, it's not that far away from his home, it's, it, and it mostly pings off the Ashtown Gate uh, mast, but uh, when it comes to this, the Collins Avenue one is actually facing in the opposite direction to the, to the park. But that doesn't mean it's not impossible for it to pick up the park area. So, again, there's even questions over whether that mast actually covers the park at all, at all. So, I mean, there's multiple questions there that the defense brought up today uh, to, that, that, that are raised as to how can you prove that he was in the park other than his own say-so. And that was already put to doubt all. We only have your say-so uh, that this meeting happened where Butch confessed to him. So uh, that was very interesting. All of that was, was, was hugely significant, I thought. Very good. And um, it's my understanding as well that there was a discussion of uh, a meeting between Patsy Hutch and Shane Rowan uh, what did that come up today? Yeah, we got you know. Look, we, I, I, a lot of this is retracing old steps, but it, it's a, what's interesting about this again is just showing uh, the level of detail in Miss Sked's investigation as to the movements of the vehicles associated with Patsy Hutch and Shane Rowan um, in the when they met in the Malahide Estate and uh, where the uh, all of this meetup happened right before Shane Rowan was caught with the AK forty seven. So an interesting line it was kind of just kind of a throwaway line really um, that there were other individuals involved an individual A and B uh, driving a Primera and a Cordova um, involved in this incident and that around about the time when Shane Rowan uh, was in the Yaris with Patsy and had left his insignia that there had been um, a moment in which the guns the AK-47s were put into the boot of the car so uh, that 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 is actually that was said today in court that that is the belief that at around about this time, uh, individual 
placed the AK-47s into the boot of the car that Rowan ultimately got back into after having a little chit-chat and a, a, a pastry and a coffee with uh, Patsy Hutch in a car park. Um, you know, it, it's fascinating because, what you know, nearly an hour later then he's caught with these guns uh, that were determined to be the weapons used in the Regency. So that, again, was very interesting. A lot of the evidence, again today, very technical, but those were the interesting tidbits that came out. And you can see that how fiercely this case is going to be fought um, in terms of Jerry Hutch's defence in particular, uh, in that how can you ever say this meeting in the park happened? Uh, it can't be tied down in any way uh, by the phone anal analysis. That's going to be their argument. Um, but the prosecution uh, was effectively arguing back and saying, look, it is a, poss it is a possibility, and put it to Miss Sked that it, it's a possibility, isn't it, that uh, if you're in this park that it could be picked up by this mast and yes it is and then you know there is that missing time period between uh what did i say it was 12 35 and quarter past three where maybe he was in the park yeah, i don't know but uh yeah it's fascinating well there you go well before we turn our white phones off for the weekend and they're completely off the grid uh is there any other business you want to cover no, I think that's it. I mean, look, it's it seems that uh, Miss Sked's, uh, Miss Sked's evidence is done now, and it was said that she was supposed to be the last witness for the prosecution. Um, maybe they'll call someone at the eleventh hour next week. They do have time to do that. They they can call as many witnesses as they like. But they indicated that Miss Sked was their final witness, and it seems to be the case. So what's going to happen next now is that the, the defense. Um, for uh, Mr. Murphy, uh, that's Bernard Condon. He has a legal issue he wants to address. Uh, there will be final arguments then from uh, Mr. Fitzgerald um, and from from uh, Mr. Condon, Mr. Grehan and Mr. Galan then, and that'll be it. So we expect to be done uh, at some stage next week. That's, that's what's happening next. Lovely. Well, thanks again for all of your work this week. Uh, you've well deserved a beer, so go and get yourself one. But in the meantime, obviously, we'll be back to you next week uh, with the closing arguments and the closing of this case. So, Paul, thanks a million. Have a good weekend. Thank you. You too.